0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. It's a me, Da Vinci, and I'm going to host today's podcast. It's going to be a pretty fun one. Um, welcome back to those of you that are returning, and welcome to uh, any new listeners that we got out there. We, uh, we're we asking an important question today. We're asking, who is a Houthi? And that's what the team is going to try to answer for you today. You know, we've got a... Who Houthis? Who the Houthis? And... You know, otherwise known as uh, the Red Sea Pirates, shadow government of Yemen, uh, you know, probably go by a lot of names. I'm the captain now, uh, but it's going to be really fun. We're thankful that you guys joined us for another fun topic, and uh, we're going to jump right into it. So, kicking this off. Wait, wait, wait. wait. I got to
1: want to share my favorite nickname. Ooh. The backseat banana boys.
0: <laughs> backseat banana boys. Solid. Back at it again. Solid. All right. bro, Bronil, let's uh give us a little give us a little breakdown, a little background on these guys. Man, Yemen's
2: Yemen's always one of those spots that I I just I wonder how it continues to exist. And doing the research for this, trying to figure out a little bit more about what I don't know. Um that question just stands true. Like, I still don't understand how they're doing anything, but yeah, yeah. It, it's shocking and it's not incompetence. Like everyone's trying, everyone's trying their best to get their way. Uh, and well, you and can currently
0: the, you can still try real hard and be incompetent. Like, we, we, no, we, that's true. Washington DC proves that shit all the time. <laughs> Facts. Well, I don't even know um, if they're trying that hard. So I take that back. I rescind that comment
2: trying to line their pockets. (laughs) Anyways. Yeah, trying um, to line that
0: portfolio.
2: (laughs) So the the Houthis, right? And their movement is officially known as Ansar Allah. They started gaining traction in Yemen in the early 90s, right? And, And that's just the Houthi movement. But they've kind of really exploded since the 90s. They're Shia Muslims, and they more specifically practice Zaydism, um, which is one of the three main branches of uh, Shia Islam. Yeah, but so what's kind of wild is they're Houthi, very similar in their beliefs to the
0: uh, to the Sunnis. Oh, really? So it's <laughs> yeah. like more so of like, a more of a, a lot of their core beliefs. Of Shia.
2: Yeah, it's like um, they both believe that the true um, successor to Muhammad is, uh, I believe it's. Ali actually. And you know, they're the only ones that think that and predominantly all um, Sunnis believe that. And that's kind of what the big differentiating factor between uh, Shias and Sunnis are, but well, one of of the differentiating factors. Yeah.
1: Sounds like a great reason to just, you know, go on massacres.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can't think of a burning question, you know, just having one minor dispute. Still practicing the same religion, but just having a minor dispute about who did what. Yeah. Let's, let's do a heckin' war. Um, and no, this, I'll never get it. This war is... All right, so I'm going to do a little bit of a history thing.
0: Yeah. let's let, On, on Zadism and it.
2: all that. But I'm glossing over a lot. I'm glossing over like three dissertations worth of information <clears> that... And, and there's stuff that I just completely left out. Um, so I'm just going to try and catch us all to speed uh, on this. And this is going to be yeah. a rough history of the area. Nothing close to the whole story. Perfect, you know? So <sighs> Zaydism and the uh, Zadis, I believe is the pronunciation. They had a hold on Yemen for thousands of years. So the Zadis lived in the highlands in northern Yemen until the first of the two dynasties that they had came to power after the Ottomans invaded in the 16th century. And then that okay. dynasty was replaced after the Ottomans came back in the 19th century. And basically that leads us to modern day, right? <clears throat> so in the 40s, there was the Free Yemeni Movement that would eventually be the downfall of Zaytis rule in Yemen. Um, so this is still a movement that's ongoing. They have a subreddit. It's pretty wild. Check it out. Uh, it's also predominantly <laughs> that, that in English, wild. which I don't... I don't know why it's predominantly in English, but the CIA is doing magical work. Um, So in 1962, there was a coup that would start an eight year civil war that ended with the Zadists or Zadists being removed from power and the formation of the Yemen Arab Republic in the Northwest. And then the People's Democratic Republic of Yemen in the south. That's my
1: favorite precursor to any nation.
2: Yeah, if you get Democratic Republic of really anything, Congo, one of the Koreas, you know, it's just it's going to be a great time. Um, but then in 1990, right, I spoke about how 90s they, the the Houthis and and their movement really started to blow up. So in 1990, North and South unified into the Republic of Yemen that we know today. Right. So we went from the Yemen Arab Republic and the People's Democratic Republic of Yemen, who now forming into the Republic of Yemen. Um, so with any group that is pushed out of a region, they did three main you know, activities. Uh, they formed a new political party in 1990 called Al-Haq, also, uh, and that roughly translates to the truth. Um, so they're trying to establish a voice in this new government. And then they invested in their faith by opening and restoring Shia centers of religion in the region. Um, And lastly, they prepared to fight. And that's where we can talk about the Ansar Allah movement and their leader, Hussein al-Houthi. Right. So Hussein got his start in the aforementioned political party, Al-Haq, and then he fled to Syria and then Iran due to what is alleged to be targeting from the new government. So then he returns to Yemen after being in Syria and Iran, which have historically been just really great places. People always come out better. Um,
1: Yeah. And Syria is Sunni and Iran is Shia. Yeah. So he could walk between both groups. That
0: that tells me something. Yeah. He's like the Anglicans (laughs) of the the Muslim world, huh?
2: Yeah, just tone the line on either side. Never fully dip in their toes. Right. Um, So then he comes back to Yemen and creates Ansar Allah. And then he gets targeted by the Yemeni government for allegedly trying to assert himself as an imam and starting unlicensed religious centers, as well as starting anti-American and anti-Israeli protests. Right. So Uh. it's, it's very clear that the government has an out for him. Not to say that they don't have a reason for wanting to get this guy, but in 04, he gets a bounty on his head of 55,000 US and 800 of his supporters get arrested. So this is like some, you know, protest or demonstration um, that was anti-American, anti-Israeli and 800 of them got arrested, which but just the math of that has got to be insane.
1: But here, here's the thing about Yemen though. Mm. No matter how many people get arrested, eventually there's something that rhymes with snail fake that always occurs.
2: Mm, That is true.
1: Yeah. I'll give you guys a hint. It's jailbreak. Okay. (laughs) There's always some sand people show up, blow a hole in the wall, scatter the guards, and they come pouring out. And all of a sudden, Al-Qaeda is plussed up again. Like, look it up. It's happened several times. The bomber of the USS Cole did it. All the cool kids in Yemen are doing it.
2: (laughs) Real hot, hot boy action here. Um, So now that he's got a bounty on his head and all of his homies get arrested, Hussein then calls for an attack on the Yemeni government. So that clash would take Hussein's life, um, but the fight would continue until peace talks in 2010. Um, But then in 2011, um the arab spring happened so yemen had a revolution along with other mm. arab nations and arabs sprung themselves into that uh and as with any revolution you know there's a lot of opportunity and the houthis ended up controlling more and more territory until they take the presidential palace in early 2015 um i think it was late january of 2015 um so now they are calling themselves the legitimate government of Yemen. Um, they're not well recognized internationally. Um, and by that, I mean the U.S. refuses to call them the legitimate government and continues to call them a rebel force. Um, so that should give you an idea of of the view that you're going to see from the media um, in regards to their legitimacy but even more recently than that January 2021 the United States designates the Houthis as terrorists and then very shortly after that uh our good friend uh President Biden goes ahead and reverses that
0: so they're not so, so they're not currently designated as a terrorist organization
2: No no they're just a a rebel force not terrorists at all
1: Okay. A rebel force that has a country.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, kind of sorta has
0: a country. They've got part of it. Yeah. A they do not
2: control all of the territory. <laughs> as much of a
1: country things. as one can have in that part and, of the world. And not, be, <laughs> and not be
0: a country. Yeah. Okay.
2: <laughs> so it's definitely interesting to see the way that the Western world has been combating this issue. Um, and it's also kind of typical. It's just kind of like not necessarily let them even into the big boys table and kind of go from there. Um, but just to touch on their, their goals, what they proclaim their goals to be, uh, they got an interesting slogan. And it's nice to see a group that's so forward with their beliefs. You know, they're not hiding anything. They're just coming out and saying, you know, Allah is the greatest. You know, number one, death to America. Uh, number two, death to Israel. Is. And number three, uh, a curse upon the Jews, and then wow. victory to Islam. So they they start with a positive and they end with a positive, and then there's some <laughs> negative stuff on the middle. Uh, it's like a little sandwich.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's, how wow, so that's, I, that's forward yeah. of
2: them. Yeah, yeah. at yeah. least they're, they're upfront uh, about it. That's what I'm saying. You know, they're not doing it in a sneaky way. They're not trying to, you know, pass a motion to silence a certain population. Mm-hmm. They're just like, nah. We know what we want. And that's <laughs> death to America and death to Israel. We're yeah, about it.
0: I saw that when I was doing research. I was like, "Wow, okay, I appreciate yeah. the frankness."
2: Also, if you, <laughs> if you look, if you look at the the script that's written on their like little slogan poster thing, uh, the first and the last are in green. Allah is the greatest, and victory is the victory to Islam is green. And then the red text in the center of the sandwich is the death to America and death to Israel. I'm like, ah. Christmas colors, nice. Um, so, they're they're an interesting group. Or blood um, and money,
0: you know, depending on how you. That's them.
2: it. <laughs> Cream get the money, you know, dollar dollar billio.
1: Nice. Yeah. Well, dis, dis uh, disregard, loose women acquire large <laughs> flocks of camels.
2: <laughs> acquire the presidential palace. Well, uh, um,
0: wow, that was. I appreciate the. Thousand plus years of history, and especially the last century, in in ten minutes—that's pretty impressive. That's hard. To, that's hard to do. So, yeah, it's obviously going through it pretty quick. It's obviously going on uh, for you. Um, and, you know, and we it is. It. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> that's on. For me.
2: That's how much it's
0: going on, right? So I hope it's going <laughs> on <laughs> with y'all too. Got a lot going on. Um. Oh yeah, man, that's pretty wild. So it's it's. In in terms of current goals, uh, I guess we'll probably talk about it in a minute with you, Midas, when with regard to tactics. But as far as goals, with what they have been doing recently, you know, kind of why they popped up in the news, have they stated any goals in regard to all of the shipping disruptions and stuff? Is that more because because I've heard oh, different yeah. things That's- like uh, people are claiming that they're attacking any ships they're claiming. We're only attacking ships that are, you know, helping Israel or the Jews, but they're kind of just,
2: uh,
0: anybody that goes in their waters is sort of fair game. Um, like how would they know that? Right. So like any, any, any word on goals or, uh, objectives as far as current, current actions. So it's
2: my understanding that this current, um, aggression if you will is directly related to the ongoing issues with israel and palestine um and okay the the way that they target is kind of interesting um so originally people were saying oh it's off of the off the flags and it's like well no you can't really tell you know just because of a, a ship's home port what they're carrying and who they're carrying it to um and then it started being like, oh, the trend is companies that do business with America, the rest of the Western world that's supporting Israel, um, and Israel itself. And then it it kind of turns out they were just it seems to be slamming ships. That's number one. Um, when it originally happened, people were shutting off transponders. Um, so if you if you don't know. Um, There's ADS-B, and that is for things in the air. And then there's a version of that that I'm blanking on for ships. Uh, And it's a transponder that is constantly showing your bearing, your tonnage, a little bit of information about the ship and, uh, you know, your speed and all that. So people were saying shut off these transponders. But that also creates an issue because, you know, you don't want to crash a ship and end up, you know, clogging up a, a major shipping lane because um, that would be pretty embarrassing. If right. did pulling an
1: old evergreen,
2: yep. <laughs> and um, and they weren't even getting shot at. Um, yeah. So people started turning transponders back on because it didn't seem to be that what was you know that being the reason that they were targeted. Um, and then it turns out that some shipping companies were contacting the local port over their HF radios and saying, "Hey, look, this is who we are." we're not doing business with Israel. We're just trying to get to Greece or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, the UN had a bit of a hissy fit about that. They're like, nah, don't, don't negotiate with them. Don't, don't be saying that. And, um, it's my understanding that the Americans over there also had an issue with that. Cause like, no, that can really fuck up operations. Um, but that seems to be the way that they're doing it now. I don't know if they're still accepting HF communication okay. today. Um, as in, you know, early February of 24, but there have been shipping companies trying to like pre clear themselves to go through the waters and not get.
1: Schwacked. Oh yeah. I'm
2: sure they've got
0: freaking liaisons on ground at this point. Yeah. I've got to. Yeah. How'd you like that? That call from your shipping company manager. Hey, uh, Bob, we need you to go to, uh, this place in the red sea and talk to some people. They're not terrorists. They're just rebels. Uh so we need you to go to Yemen like tomorrow <laughs> right. Yeah, according to the White House, <laughs> they could be all right. They were <laughs> bad and now they're a little less bad, but they're shooting missiles at ships. So in now that Just we're talking about it, bad <laughs> a lot of great people, beautiful people, <laughs> a few bad <laughs> nice,
1: nice, Nice beaches, great waterfront.
2: Great waters. I, I hear that they're the best. Everyone tells me that. Stay away from the speed boats. <laughs> they like to blow up.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Classic. So, now that we're talking about shooting missiles and current mm. tactics, Midas, what are we looking at? What What are the Houthis doing in the Red Sea right now, and how are they doing it?
1: Yeah, so I had a similar journey on this <laughs> this research uh extravaganza that we are on that bro did and uh seemed to be kind of like an onion like the more layers i peeled back the more interesting things got and yeah these are some wild boys you know they they're creative and uh they're ballsy and and i gotta give credit where it's due of course um but, you know, as previously discussed, number one tactic right now that we're seeing them use is the technique I like to call missile at ship go whoosh. So they've been doing a lot of that <laughs> with uh, anti-tank guided munitions. So these guys are ATGM snipers. <laughs> um,
2: yeah, honestly, big skill. Like, Yeah, like... I know ships are pretty big, so they got a nice target, but.
1: Well, like, yeah, I mean, water, you know, it's just kind of weird flying one of those over water Mm -hmm. depth perception, you know, dolphins jumping (laughs) halfway between you and your target, all kinds of things could occur. And, uh, yeah. So in that sense that that's their number one tactic, um, you know, they, they have directly engaged, Uh, U.S. destroyers, which is pretty ballsy within itself. Um, But as previously mentioned, they primarily target those cargo ships that uh, they have some sort of ESP and they can tell if they're going to Israel or not. But with that being said, um, you know, we have been, I guess what we could call preemptively uh, deactivating these missile sites. As we find them being set up, and basically, it's gotten to the point where any of these missile systems that even faces the sea just gets droned like damn near instantly. So, I think that their tactics are inevitably evolving and adapting to suit that climate. So, I'm sure that they're they're going to be employing. All kinds of aerial screens, potentially cave networks, things of that nature, tunnel systems, things to hide these these rocket systems. If if their number one sport seems to be uh, plunking away at cargo vessels, uh, however, that's not all these guys can do. Don't worry, that's just what they've been up to recently. Um, but as previously discussed by Bro Neil, they've been fighting for quite a while internally. But we can also learn a lot about these guys through their struggles with Saudi Arabia. Uh, they've been fighting the kingdom now for, for quite some time. Um, you know, they actually seem to have a Wish.com version of Blitzkrieg as one of their tactics in, in their portfolio, believe it or not. It's, it's pretty interesting.
0: Wish.com Blitzkrieg, huh?
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so So uh, they've been having these cross-border pissing matches with the Saudis now for for quite some time uh, as a a result of this very fractured uh, climate that they've been living in, as well as the fact that the Saudis are, you know, the Saudis. Um, Just to further elaborate, there's a fraction I like to use. It's uh, 11 over 19 and that's all I have to say about that. Uh, anyhow, back to the Houthis. <laughs> so what these guys like to do is believe it or not, guess what they open up initial contact with, right? You initiate contact with your most casualty producing weapon, right? So what have they been shooting? Woosh. Missile go whoosh. Woosh. woosh, yeah. This woosh, is where they got their target practice. <laughs> This is <laughs> they've where this for years. they've been doing this for years. Yeah. This is like 2010, man, 2012. They've been doing this crap. Um, so what this largely consists of they initiate contact with an ATGM. Once again, that's an anti-tank guided missile. Basically think of a tow launcher, typically wire guided. There's Russian versions of it as well, which are quite prolific there. Um, which makes sense because they're probably supplied by Iran. Anyhow, what they do is they go ahead and they knock out those key Saudi locations or those vehicles that they have identified as command vehicles. So, boom, try to cut the head off the snake or hit those hardened positions immediately to initiate contact. Not a bad way to go. While this is going on, they send in these multiple groups to start hitting the actual border outposts and basically pin those personnel down so that they can't respond to any of the other areas that they're attacking simultaneously. Once that is taking place, here come the Dirt Bike Boys. I like to call them the uh, the Moto Squid Teams. Yep, I know. We're all envious. I know. The moto
2: Boys and, just have the most fun. It's like a little Mad Max action.
1: Oh yeah, it's it's exceptional. Uh, so these 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 young men come flying in on their uh, probably I don't know, Bronio. What what motorcycles are prolific in the Middle East these days? I mean, is they, there a Toyota the Hilux? Some, yeah, the they got
2: some Royal Enfield Himalayans. They got some uh, okay, probably some KLRs. Probably some KTM nonsense. You know, Ooh, some, all right.
1: some KTM.
2: Uh, okay, but yeah, so, probably, probably some Yamaha's too if they're feeling spendy.
1: Excellent. All right, so we got some mad lads on some Yamahas at this point just go (laughs) ripping across the border. All right, these guys are going for broke, and these are your penetration teams. So what they do is they come flying in, and they get nestled right in behind the Saudis that are now attempting to respond to the border checkpoint uh, kerfuffles that are unfolding. And at that point, they are engaged, uh, which – if they hit them at the right spot, means that they're getting hit from two sides at that point. While responding to those border checkpoints, which that's a pretty decent tactic in itself. But guess what, guys? Gets better. It gets better than boys Moto Boys. There. It gets better than Moto Boys. These guys sit there, they they slap the crap out of the Saudis, right? They're just poking them with sticks for hours, right? Pissing them off, and then of course, you know, some Saudi general probably feels like he's going to get his. Uh, hoo ha chopped off at the next court meeting. So he starts <laughs> freaking out. And guess what these boys like to do? They like to send a tank column to respond, right? How very, very Soviet of them. Right. Well, guess uh- what? There's other other Moto boys have been out there in the roads, and guess what they've been doing? Laying out a lot of little things down. I like to call bad Oreos, <laughs> little landmines all over this freaking road. That's crazy. Just everywhere. So then the Saudi tank column goes busting across the freaking border pissed as hell and then they just start exploding and then they get mired down and they start getting hit with other mm-hmm. ATGMs and it is a complete cluster. Wow. And believe it or not they have fallen for this tactic several times in various forms and variations.
0: So, dude, that's wild.
1: Anyhow, yeah, yeah. And and all the while they're employing um both Russian weapon systems as well as interestingly enough, US weapon systems. Mm-hmm. All right. I think that we've probably had a little bit more subversive um uh, role in Yemen now for shit yeah, probably 30, 40 years, just keeping an eye on things and doing what the agency does. Right. Yeah. Um but keep in mind here though that they're not up against like some you know T thirty fours right? Like they blew up multiple Saudi Abrams tanks. Um, That's wild. In October of 2016. Yeah. Three M1A2 Abrams tanks with these missiles. So, well, oh, might've been some landmine casualties in there as well. Sure. Uh, yeah. But since then they, they've moved on, you know, they've, they've gotten with the new era. They've, they've been really heavy on the whole suicide drone uh, slash mobile mortar team, kind of the Taliban tube method. Um, you know, and unfortunately we're seeing these suicide drones pop up in other places as well. Like those three American soldiers that were killed in Jordan a couple weeks ago now, really unfortunate. And it seems like, uh, a ripple effect of Russia's involvement in Ukraine has really just been an explosion of the use of these very inexpensive mm-hmm. suicide drones. Right. Um, which just adds a whole other level of horror (coughs) to conflict that we really didn't need. Right. Um, Yeah. And then they've, they've even hit um, they've hit Saudi military bases. Uh, They've killed over a hundred Saudi troops in some of these attacks in summer of 2016 alone. I mean, they're, now they're putting in some work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, at the end of the day, I guess, in summary of their tactics and expertise, I'd have to say that they are mostly capable of hit and run tactics, but obviously they employ them in a clever way. And
0: yeah, definitely seems so.
1: And that is sketchy because if you are knowingly the superior force, and you're making contact with a group such as the Houthis on ground and you just start giving it to them and they appear to start running, slow your roll, mm-hmm. be careful, you know, don't, don't just go for the the hard charge because you could end up rolling over a bad Oreo mm-hmm. and
0: just get bogged, bogged down in the minefield.
1: Yes, exactly. Stuff gets weird really quick. So yeah. For any of our young platoon leaders who are uh, itching for action, take heed of that advice. Um, But interestingly enough, though, I think that these guys are just operating the way that pretty much any other freedom-fighting rebel-type force operates. Their goal is not necessarily to inflict a bunch of casualties and win decisive victories on the battlefield they're fighting and living to fight another day. And in doing so, they're fighting for legitimacy. Mm -hmm. Right. That's, that's the whole counterinsurgency bit. And in that part of the world, that's what everybody's doing at once is fighting for legitimacy because it's never quite established for long.
0: Right. So in terms of the, uh, I mean, it's, that's crazy. The it's really interesting that they're utilizing, like you said, the wish.com uh, <laughs> blitzkrieg that, you know, they're using all, all the, all the tools at their disposal to try to get the job done there.
2: Um, and if I can add the, yeah. uh, <clears throat> the biker boys is, is quite the concept. Um, it is. And it's something that <clears throat> I'm blanking on the name of it, but, One of the larger U.S.-based e-bike companies, which there aren't many of them, um, came out with what is like basically an electric dirt bike. Um, Zero. Well, yeah, there's Zero, and then there's another one. I don't know if Zero got the contract, but someone was awarded a DOD contract recently.
1: I think Um, Zero got it. I'm not sure,
2: though. Yeah, the the plan is to replace the um, diesel-powered KLR650s that the Marine Corps had and almost never used, from what I understand. Uh, I think they only had between three and 500 of them ever made. Uh, and they were very rarely ever fielded. But it's seeming like a, a legit way to get in deep before they even see you.
1: Well, yeah. yeah and following along that same train of thought, we've seen Ukrainian soft using... Uh, e-bikes which same same concept but we're talking like 60 mile per hour with long travel suspension e-bikes to zip in behind enemy lines and get around so i think that the two-wheel application is is definitely there and it's real
2: yeah it's making a comeback you know horse horse soldier style
1: yeah yeah um i guess the only thing i was really disappointed that I did not come across successfully in my research was evidence of them killing a sandworm recently. Ah, um, bummer. I know, I know I was, I was really hoping I was hoping, um, they also do not seem to carve sticks of wood into, uh, Mohawk and Huron battle implements. Mm. So
2: this is all unfortunate news. Yeah. <laughs> Other than that,
1: they're uh they're pretty pretty solid <laughs> given their resources it's uh it's kind of interesting respect not appreciation right just
0: respect just respect so i wanted to go back uh to the ship thing real quick because they've i mean they've fired off like what you know we're looking at dozens if not hundreds of rockets at these ships coming through oh yeah uh, Coming through the Red Sea, you know, going up to the Suez Canal or coming out of the Suez Canal. Are they, I think you mentioned it, are they boarding these ships at all and taking anything? Or is it more, uh, they're just yes like shooting and at them, no. trying to deter people from coming? I haven't, I didn't come across too much about them actually like getting any like monetary gains from, you know, these ships so, for the most part. It's more just kind of, Uh, We're gonna shoot rockets and make it more dangerous, and hopefully people don't bring stuff to Israel. I don't know. Like it's it's kind of a weird. I don't know. know, Oh no, it is weird. But (laughs) um, it's like your
1: your little brother, like you know, shooting spitballs at some dude that you're about to have a
0: gunfight with. You know, it's like, hey, thanks, buddy. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what I figured, um, but I just didn't know if you guys found anything else because it's so.
2: It's my understanding that they have boarded ships. Um, One happened in November of 23. That was somewhat prolific. Um, But. Yeah, I think that's when they
0: really kind of started hitting the news was that. uh, Yeah. Like November of last year. What happens is
2: um, once one ship gets, you know, pirated, if you will, the other ships kind of prepare for it and it gets a lot tougher to take a ship when there's barbed wire and water cannons right. and dudes with FALs hey um, guys
1: I have a joke mm. oh boy what's a pirate's favorite letter It's a real tough one R oh you think it R but it be the C <laughs> <laughs> fucking
0: gotcha oh you got us both that's good Austin Busted. busted when you said uh, when you said pirated it just it made me think of that uh you know that old fbi notice that used to pop up on your va secretary <laughs> <that> piracy <laughs> is not a victimless, victimless crime
2: <laughs> you wouldn't download a car
0: yeah meanwhile me
2: downloading 3d printed whatever i want um
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, i'm pretty sure this piracy is also not a victim victimless victimless crime uh yeah and the
2: fbi also doesn't like this piracy um oddly enough yeah. no but yeah they've they've attacked i think like successfully attacked north of 30 or 40 ships at this point wow um, yeah uh, yeah
1: but i've i've also come across some footage um you know while we give them credit for some of their accuracy uh there's mostly like the ships are just kind of cruising along and then
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: you just hear a whoosh and then like a thud and a bang. And then everyone's like, Oh, all right. Well, I guess we'll just keep going. And
2: yeah. And, and I, That's I mean, attacked, for the most part. Yeah. um, cause like not, not just attacked and hit cause there have been a lot of misses, um, but I'm I'm looking at some information now, and there was an attempted hijacking in December, um, and you know, a bunch of oil tankers and chemical tankers have been either hit with a missile or hit with a drone or missed with a missile or missed with a drone. So,
0: have they been? They are getting a good amount. Have they been clashing with any uh, other forces? You know, like other than the Saudis over this whole uh, rocketing of ships thing uh just armed security on several vessels but no like yeah. international intervention yet at this point well the us I know led... yeah we've got like a task force or task group down there but uh, yeah the yeah. brit's are pretty involved oh are they
2: and then the french yeah. backed out pretty quickly um <laughs> because french but uh <laughs> no no they were they were unhappy with the leadership on the us side um they said that it was too much of a clusterfuck for them. And they were like, this is not being managed properly at all. And we are leaving. Au revoir. Which, yeah. (laughs) Au revoir, mon chéri. Au revoir. Um, I think, I think that does say a good deal about the current state of things. Um, Yeah. But that's not the topic. uh, So I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Uh, Well, Well, it loosely is.
1: Let's, yeah. I mean, let's, let's touch on it for a minute. As we've been saying this for quite some time. This world is getting so
2: Yeah. And the interwoven. Navy specifically. Mm-hmm. The, the Navy's had such a, an issue with leadership. Um, oh, yeah.
1: It's only because the Army's not firing theirs, but
2: that's a- For what, eight, nine years now, it's been going on where there's been like at least one scandal a year. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, so yeah. it's like kind of understandable for France to be like, eh, <laughs> you got cool toys, but, you know, the people that are telling you to use them aren't the greatest. Um,
0: I'm yeah, sure exactly. there's a thousand
2: reasons for that, but it's it's interesting to see it happen or, or affect something as large as this.
0: Right. Um, yeah, because you would think that you'd see a little bit more of a unified, like, international force. Because these are, you know, it's everybody's goods and that are going through this area. You know, it's not like, yeah, it's yeah. just, I mean, they've got ships going to their own country, you know, humanitarian aid ships, you know, I'll touch on that in a, in a, in a minute, but
1: yeah. You know, they've. But I think it all just comes back to the fact that we, we live not in a welfare country in a welfare planet right yeah. now, because I mean, just look at NATO G- GDP spending and, Spending, sorry, not spending. Spending. And these are people who are willing (laughs) to be signing up, acting like they're going to do something, right? Yeah, right. This has nothing to do with, like there are well over 100 nations on this planet at any given time that are stable enough to contribute something to an effort. And that yep. it doesn't fucking happen. Right. And it's, it's our taxpayer <clears throat> dollars getting pissed into the fucking Red Sea well to protect yeah. shipping for Israel.
0: Right.
2: Yeah. Or, or you know, you could say that about any other place,
0: really. <laughs> well, it, it doesn't yeah. just have to be the Red Sea. Yeah. And at this point, right. you know, it's not even our taxpayer dollars. It's just made up ones and zeros that we're printing.
2: Yeah. Fiat currency to the strongest extent. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but they give
1: us a credit score. So. Right. <laughs>
2: all right.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: I'll, uh, I'll let you guys continue.
0: <laughs> oh. All right. Sweet. Um. Thanks for thanks for all the info on on tactics and and that wrap up. So, uh, I wanted to touch on the money piece. So how how are these guys making money? You know how are they how are they moving money? And uh, I appreciate. Irish, uh, helping out a little bit with the research on this as well. He was unable to be here, uh, on this podcast, but, uh, he did, he put in some good work and, um, so I'm going to, I'm going to share a little bit of that with you and, um, just talk about the money a little bit. So we got a current conflict, you know, like bro Neil talked about, that's been going on for, for quite a while now. And it's obviously had impacts on the economy. The, uh, the systems of, you know, exchange in that country and, uh, activities in Yemen as a whole. So it's, it, it's not new. The Houthis have controlled the significant portion of the country. And essentially that's created two parallel economies led one by the, um, IRGY, the internationally recognized government of Yemen and the Houthi government, um, that Broniel had talked about. So we got a ton of, Of duplication of effort on a bunch of different financial systems, such as tariffs and custom duties, currency exchange rates, oil revenue, and uh, aid divergence going into that country. And so, interestingly, part of the system that the the Houthis essentially control they they control the country, you know, for for all intents and purposes, right? But the IRGY uh is not them. You know, the the actual recognized government of Yemen is not the people that control the majority of the country. Um so these people are the the Houthis when they're attacking, it's they're utilizing a standing military that's essentially a government funded military, you know. So it's it's not a bunch of rebels, you know, I'm the captain now. They're they're not out there in rubber rubber dingies and rowboats, uh, you know, like Midas had talked about. They've, they've got fairly sophisticated tactics. And when you have a standing military like that, obviously it takes uh, some some funds to make that happen. So the last thing that we found about the different economies was that the currency exchange rate to the US dollar was far stronger by a factor of at least two in the Houthi side than in the uh, the Irgy rial, so the obviously the the Houthis seems seems to be doing a, a a little bit better in terms of the exchange rate with the U.S. dollar. So their currency is a little bit stronger. Interestingly, even though they're not really recognized internationally, um, they've got a better currency. So and that you know when you're talking about currency, you talk about trade. And the guys that are doing, uh, that are trading in Yemen, whether that's your local farmers or uh, commodities traders, whatever it is, they're sitting between a rock and a hard place, right? When we're talking about trading goods in Yemen. So not only are you paying your local tax levied taxes, but if you're going from the Yemen territory to the Houthi territory. The Houthis are charging you a hundred percent levy on those goods, which is crazy. So you're double tariffing these guys. Jeez, how's yeah. uh, <laughs> anyone supposed <laughs> to make a profit? Right, exactly. It's like you got to sell these things at triple the price of what you would just to be able to come home with a little bit of money, so you can make some more. You know, baba ganoush it's it's wild right like it the tariffs are just killing they're killing the uh they're killing the economy there so it's it just really depletes the economic power of that individual trader that person trying to do business and like bro mentioned your price of goods is skyrocketing like we think buying a gallon of milk here or a, a gallon of gas is expensive but when you're doubling these tariffs and taxes and um, dealing with exchange rates across, you know, fairly fluid borders, uh, internal borders, right? Between the, the Houthis and the RGY, it just creates a total cluster. So, you know, with the Houthis considering themselves the legitimate government, they also demand a major portion of the revenue generated by the oil that's produced in Yemen and that is obviously a sticking point for the actual recognized government because they're like and there's a lot of oil. Nah, this is our oil. So, like what mm-hmm. are you what are you talking about? And that obviously leads to conflict. So there's been several clashes um between the IRGY and the Houthis attacking uh oil loading terminals down in southern Yemen because yeah. of the government refusing to give an illegitimate government a portion of the oil revenue. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's textbook extortion, right? right? It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty funny just to say that out loud. It just like, like everything going on down there. It just is, uh, it's an interesting, (laughs) interesting rabbit hole that you go down. So, um, but so both sides of the civil war, they've been using international, humanitarian aid like I touched on a little bit earlier. Um and the UN uh and different humanitarian rights organizations have called out the uh numerous examples of aid divergence and you know restriction of those goods or obstruction of those goods getting to people that actually need them and you know being controlled by uh whether it be the recognized government of Yemen or the Houthi uh, Yemen Yemeni shadow government um just kind of taking those goods and whether they're using them for their military or for their friends in you know down the street from the the palace that they took over. But um it's also that those those uh agencies have also called out a lot of money laundering activities in the area as well. So that's another way that they're uh they're making some money. And then there, we got a lot of corruption in that part of the world, uh, just really like any part of the world. But specifically <laughs> right. in the Middle East, you know, that's it's a very common practice to um, give bribes to government officials and for them to accept it. And You know, it's almost like a culturally accepted thing over there. Like, oh, this is a gift for you and your family to uh, pass this bill or add this tax to the next um, – you know, the next set of laws that are, that are coming out, but
2: no Da Vinci, the, the podcast is about Yemen, not the U S <laughs> my bad, my bad. Oh.
0: <laughs> Oops. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pew, pew shots fired. <laughs> um, but one of the really interesting things that's, it's kind of common knowledge now, if you guys have been following this at all, right. But they also are being financially supported. By Iran, and that has led to additional sanctions by us uh, on on that Houthi government and Yemen as a, as a whole, right? Because they're they're getting money from Iran through multiple housing exchange schemes and precious stone exchanges, and also just direct cash flow going straight from Iran. Into the coffers of the Houthis, the Houthi government, to assist in funding their illegitimate slash legitimate, depending on who you talk to, government. So, um, welcome to the world, right, <laughs> Ron? Always trying to get in on whatever shit show is currently happening.
1: Just like another country that we all know.
0: Does it rhyme with Schmerica?
1: Yeah, it might. <laughs> And then everything starts to connect. Yep. Yeah. The more, you know, the more that you realize that you don't know
0: a lot. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, definitely. uh, That's definitely something that I come to realize every time, you know, we research for an episode. It, I think, is amazing how much information is out there, how much misinformation is out there that people just take as fact. If you're just yeah. getting all of your all of your information from one source, uh, you're wrong. It doesn't matter if it's Fox News, BBC, CNBC, Wikipedia. Uh, you know, take your pick. If you're not spreading out your research to actually dig through all the bullshit, you're doing it wrong. You know, it takes it takes a lot of work to dig up some of this information and get through whatever political agenda is being pushed by whatever media source that you're looking at. So when you guys are doing your own research, just about life, keep that in mind, make sure that you're uh, spreading out, spreading out your research and, and trying to, uh, try to use that salt. All right. These yeah, no, I
1: totally agree. And a little disclaimer with that, uh, not all the shit that I re we repost on our, Instagram story is legitimate. Some of it's deliberate satire and it gets, <laughs> gets missed. So just stay on your toes, even with us because <laughs> sometimes we like to mess around a little
0: bit. Yeah, sometimes we got jokes every once in a while. We get jokes oh, yeah. every once in a while.
1: Yeah. Otherwise it's too serious right. and you can't live life too seriously. Yeah. You gotta have fun. Yeah. Um,
0: <clears throat> did you guys have anything else you wanted to hit on? Um, with regard to the Houthis. Are you guys you guys got any uh save save rounds as they like to say um, in the army? If anyone has a
2: good audiobook or just regular ass book in regards to Yemen and they want to drop it in our comments somewhere, please do. Because this is a topic that I've only scratched and I am super enthralled. Like it is You gave it a pretty Yemen good scratch.
0: You, you must not yeah. have trimmed your nails before that scratch. You got pretty, you got pretty deep on that. I was impressed. It's No, cause that I literally skipped, I completely skipped civil wars. Well, yeah, but yeah, I mean, like multiple. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, I mean, you, we could do an entire, you know, three podcasts just on the history of Yemen and the conflict, you know, that they've dealt with both internally oh, yeah. and with, you know, and, and with the Saudis, you know, there's there's a ton, there's a ton of detail in there and a lot of history. So I appreciate you uh, condensing it into a, a digestible morsel for uh, for me and for all our listeners. That was great.
2: Yeah, but if anyone's got the non digestible one, let me know. Yeah, for sure. I want a
0: deep dive, Midas. <laughs> you got any uh, any save rounds? Yeah, yeah. I think
1: at the end of the day, uh, as as a former young leader in the military, I know how overzealous we can all be and how just full of red, white, and blue, we can all be. But I just encourage you guys to keep your eyes open, um, study conflicts from all around the world, right? That's why we cover this kind of stuff. That's why we've done, all kinds of podcasts on all kinds of places all kinds of times yeah Yeah. exactly different eras different technology because believe it or not you can pull something from each of those and you can put it in your little metaphorical backpack and take it with you Mm -hmm. or fanny pack if you're into that i mean
2: if you're looking back who was always you know the greatest horse riders in history? Now they're whipping around on motorcycles with AGTMs, you know, or ATGMs. You know, I'm just saying there's some translation between them.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. So it's, I, I say all that to arrive at the point, research conflict, become aware of it, become knowledgeable of the so what, everything from, you know, Alexander at Gagamela Mm -hmm. to this kind of stuff, Boer War, Philippines, there's Tecumseh. So there's all kinds of interesting topics that you can learn from. And at the end of the day, even though I think Yemen probably is given a lot of crap due to their economic instability, things of that nature, these guys still can put up a fight that is respectable. And that's an important thing to know. Yep. I think that every group of people on this planet is capable of doing just that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, speaking of Alexander, do you guys see that uh, Netflix show yet? <clears throat> I started it the other day. It's pretty solid. No, no yeah. I haven't. Yeah, they, decent. Yeah, it's they've got. Um, it's like half dramatized. It's like it's almost a docudrama. They've got narration and they're interviewing historians, and then they're also. And they've got a dramatized portion of it, so yeah, it's pretty pretty good. I'm just like one or two episodes in, but solid, nice, yeah, cool. Well, gents, really appreciate it. Really appreciate all the work uh, that you put into digging into this topic. It was really interesting to hear about, you know, the the Moto Boys and you know the history of these uh, some of these conflicts and how this current government got into place so big thanks to Broneo and Midas and uh Irish as well for putting in some research and um it was a lot of fun hopefully you guys learned something and uh make sure to head over to Mission First Tactical and use code PATH5 to uh to get yourself a little bit of swagola whether you're looking for drinkware or weapon furniture I'm actually I got a couple uh a couple of their minimalist stocks in my, in my cart right now. I'm doing a couple builds. So, uh,
1: Oh yeah. yeah.
0: That will unfortunately lost in a boating accident. I'm sure in the very near future. Yeah, Those are, those are sweet. Yeah. Sweet stocks. Yep. Love those stocks, but run over there, use code path five, um, get yourself 20% off and, uh, just go out, be good. Do your research, implement what you research and just be a good person. Thanks. We'll see you next time. Da Vinci out.